Hello, and welcome to Build Momentum, where we help education organizations blow past their competitors with strategies that make an impact. We think beyond traditional press releases and generic communication tactics and seek out big, bold ideas to create meaningful results for our clients. I'm your host, Sarah Williamson, and I've spent more than 15 years in public relations for the education sector, where our team has learned what works and what doesn't when it comes to PR. From launching groundbreaking new industry awards to landing sought-after panels at the most prestigious shows, we absolutely love this stuff. But the best part is we have an opportunity to interview some of the smartest people we know who share their knowledge and strategies for success right here on the show. If you enjoy what you hear, we would so appreciate if you please take a moment to drop us a review on whatever platform you listen. And if you want to learn more about us, visit swpr-group.com. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Let's dive into the show. Okay, and on today's episode, we have Dennis Welch with us. Dennis is the president and CEO of Articulate, a company specializing in PR and communications for the book industry. Dennis, it's so great to have you. Welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yes, absolutely. So, I wanted to invite you because I obviously do PR and I know how to do PR and communications at our company, SWPR Group, but book public relations and book promoting is so different. So I'm curious, how did you find your way into this niche? Will you share with us your story? Well, back in the day when I was younger, I was a full-time musician and songwriter and made records turned around until my kids were born and I had a couple of sons and I realized I couldn't do it anymore. I went out on tour with uh, a band, Billy Squire and a band called King's X. And I lasted about three weeks and that was all, that was it. I couldn't do it. So I came home and I went to work for the Gallup organization. Although I've continued to write, by the way, songs through the years and occasionally other people record them and actually have a new record that just came out here September 1. So anyway, so I'm always going to do it. I'm always hoping somebody else will sing these songs. I'm not going to get out and try to be a rock star. But anyway, I went to work for the Gallup organization right when they were transitioning from being a not very profitable, but very well-known polling company to the consulting sort of juggernaut they became. And one of the elements of that changeover were all of these huge books, you know, First Break All the Rules, now discover your strengths, which has never left the bestseller list. And so in my 13 years there, I wound up doing a lot of things. I started Spanish interviewing there because I speak some Spanish. I went back and got an MBA, became a director of marketing. But my last year there was a special project. The CEO called me and said, hey, I have this very special project. and I want you to help me with it and keep doing all your director of marketing stuff. I was also a senior staff writer for the company to keep doing all of that. But just help me with this one project. Well, there was a book involved in that. And so I had never met the book publicist. I'd never met any book publicist, to be honest with you. And I met her. and We started working together. I liked her so much. And she lived here in Texas. She lived in Austin. I was in Houston at the time. And so when I left Gallup at the end of that year to go start my own thing, I wasn't even really sure what it was. And she called me and said, you know, I have a John Maxwell book and I know you toured around with John last year. You know him well. And I'd like to buy a couple of days of your time. And so I did a couple of days for John. And at the end of day two of you know, book PR, this new thing, 
she calls me at the end of day two and she said, okay, how do you know how to do this? Because you've gotten more for John in two days than we get in a month. How does that happen? And I said, well, remember when I was a musician and songwriter, I was my own publicist and I was on TV and radio everywhere. And I did all kinds of big deals. The The Houston newspaper ran a full page story when an album came out and I was nobody. Nobody really knew me, but I got all of this stuff. I said, this is a lot easier to do for somebody else than it is to do it for yourself, quite frankly, unless you're an egomaniac. And so anyway, so she said, well, look, why don't you shutter your business, this brand new business you just started and just put it on hold for a little bit and come to work for me as my vice president and publicity director and really learn how to do this. Well, I did that. And so I spent the next four and a half years working with all the top business authors and the CEO of Campbell's Soup. Absolutely loved it. And then I went back out on my own again with Barb's blessing, by the way. And I, in January of 2012, I started this company and that's, I've been doing it ever since. And here's the crazy part, Sarah. We have never advertised or done marketing of any kind. It is all word of mouth for 10 years. And so that's such a blessing. You know, you know how it is. You get those and those conversations are really warm. You're not having to sell stuff, you know, I'm never going to be any good at that. So that's how I got involved. That's a long answer, but. It sounds like you're clearly a Renaissance man. That's what I got from that. <laughs> I hope I am. My wife thinks I am. So that Aww. whatever she thinks is what matters. 41 that's years, a win. you know, yeah, that's a win. it is a win. Yeah. Oh, that's a great story. Okay. So then you got into this industry. Tell us, I'm very curious because especially being in the PR world, how would you say, Promoting a book is different than promoting a business or a company or a product. I think the primary difference is that books have a little tiny window of interest in the media. You know, it's about a month before the book comes out and about three months after the book comes out. And that's it. And then sometimes if you've got a real juggernaut, you're going crazy, you can extend that for a month or two. But books have a shelf life with the media. And one of the things that I do to sort of extend that is I get involved early with people and I start looking for places where we can, like I'll see an article about something, the PR business, let's say in your business, and I'll say, you know what? And I'll send them a note and the writer, because I can find them. I have this big database, you probably do too, that I pay a lot of money every year for. And so I go find the writer and their email address. and I'll send a note and say, you know, good morning, Sarah. I read that great article this morning. You know, my client is also doing that kind of thing. She's actually working on a book about that. You know, if you're ever interested, let me put her on your radar screen. And so that kind of sort of plowing the fields way before the window opens can really yield some big results because then it's very easy if they respond. You know, my contention is that every, I guess it's our mantra that every good thing happens in a dialogue. And so here's what I know. I'm not going to have dialogues with everybody. But if I can have it with somebody, then I'm comfortable then continuing that when we get closer to the time the book comes out, I can go back to this person if they responded to me and say, hey, remember that book we talked about? Just want to let you know about that. And so you're not starting from zero at that point. But I would say the biggest difference is just a small window of time that you have to get people's attention in the media who some of whom, as you know, are getting a thousand pitches a day from people like us. And so it's got to be right. You know? Yeah. Okay. So let's say that's good advice. We're just, we actually are thinking about kicking off a book. 
So what would your advice be for us besides reaching out early? Do you have any best practices that you'd suggest for our listeners? Well, one of the things I do with a lot of authors, and it's happened, let me just say this, I'm not strategic enough or maybe not even smart enough to figure out how we got to where we are now. It's just happened sort of organically. And one of the cool things is I get involved early a lot of times while the book is still being written or while, you know, let's consider it. Or can you help us with the title? That's a very interesting one. I had a oftentimes if I'm involved early, when it comes time to title a book, you know, most people are terrible at titles. I mean, I'll just tell you a quick story. I had a guy a few years ago, he interviewed all of these Texas business people who were servant leaders. Okay. And he came to me and said, Hey man, I got the title. You ready? Big hats, big hearts. Yikes. Okay. You know how you hear stuff and you have to try to find some silver lining? (laughs) I couldn't find one. Okay. And so I said, well, you know, that's really good, Tom. Let me think about that. Okay. And then are you open to other suggestions? Oh, yes, I'm wide open to other suggestions. Like, hello, freaking Luya. Okay. So a few weeks later, after, you know, I've read through everything that we're doing, I already know what he's doing. And so I know big hats and, you know, big hearts is not a good idea. So we convene the team. And before we convene, I go to Roger's Thesaurus and I try to find a word, single word for special. Okay. I believe the word was special that I was thinking of, that these are, there's nobody like these people, right? They stand alone. So the word is peerless, P-E-E-R-L-E-S-S, you know, peerless. So when we got in our little huddle, I said, hey, Tom, I got a title for you. Ready? Peerless. And I said, because it's one word, I said, the subtitle needs to be a triad. It needs to be musical. Da-da-da-da. Da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da. And I said, you know what? Just think about it. He was like, wow, that's a lot better than big hats, big hearts. Well, no kidding. So we had real success with that campaign in large part because, you know, we chose the right title. I mean, there's things you can do to sort of, you don't want to change somebody's art to fit what the media is going to like, quite honestly. I'm not a fan of that. As an artist myself, I don't really want to craft it so that somebody out there will say, oh, yeah, that's really good. No, I I want to come from your heart and be what you want to say. But in the context of that, you can tweak. And if you're in early enough, you can start thinking about, okay, you know what, that's great. But when we go to pitch this, this might be a this might be a problem or this might be a, a roadblock or just a speed bump, whatever. And you can start fixing some of that stuff so that when you get ready to really go, it has this very elegant chance of, of of being noticed. And that's, and that, as you know, that's all you're trying to do. If you can get somebody noticed and somebody cares enough to reach back out to me, that's probably 80% that there's going to be some good stuff happen there. Yeah. Oh, that really does. So when you get involved early, so you're looking at the title, what else are you looking for when you look at that book? This is going to sound kind of crazy, but it's all very mystical to me because, you know, when I have a conversation with somebody, like people always want to send me, we turn down a lot of business because I don't fill slots. Okay. And I'm not ever going to do that. And we set out in the beginning to not do it. And later on, I'm going to tell you a story about my first client that I got when I started this business and you'll see what I'm talking about. So what happens is people want to send me their manuscripts. Let me send you, this is awesome. Okay. It's like, okay, I know it. I'm sure it is, but that's not where I start. I want to hear you talk about it. I want to hear you. Okay. And when I hear you, 
You know, Paul McCartney said one time recently, he said, you know, I don't read music. I see music. I don't know how to read music, but I see it. And uh, you know what? Nobody can explain what he just said, but he knows what he's talking about. And that's what this is. So when I'm in a conversation with somebody in my soul, I know this is somebody I need to be helping. We need to be working with this person. They may say no, but we should at least offer to help them with this. And as they talk about their book, if all they talk about is bestsellers and I want to raise my speaking fees and all this stuff, I have zero interest in that, quite honestly. You know, I'm interested in when people say, you know what, this might change the lives of people in a way that could be transformational and, you know, salt the culture a little bit and those kind of things. You know, that piques my interest already. It makes my filters change for how I read their book or help them with the book or whatever happens. So the conversation is the whole thing for me. And then the other part is once I get the book, after I have the conversation, 20 or 30 pages into the book, if it's already written, I know. I see it. It's like it just comes up on my screen and goes, oh, here's the hooks in this. Here's the messaging. And it starts coming. And if it doesn't do that, my answer is no. No matter how many checkbooks they have open, I just say no. And because we have to do what we think is right here. Yeah, definitely. I love that answer. It's kind of what we do in my business too. I mean, if we feel like a company is not going to be a good fit, it doesn't matter how much you pitch it. It's just, it'll never be successful. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. There's a magic to it. There's definitely a magic and a mystical energy to what we're doing. There is. And you know what? Don Clifton, the man who invented the strengths finder and helped write Now Discover Your Strengths. And I mean, the grandfather of positive psychology, he worked for the Gallup organization. And one time we were sitting outside, standing outside of a meeting room and it was never just me and him. It was always a crowd, you know, but all of a sudden it was just me and him. And so he was probably about 80 at the time. And I said, Don Clifton, I said, you know what? It's just me and you. I said, so tell me the most profound thing you can tell me in two minutes before you walk in. And he got a big smile on his face and he held up his finger like this. And he said, his index finger. And he said, Dennis, every single person on the planet can do at least one thing better than 10,000 other people. That's the good news. He said, I'm talking to everybody, the guy on the park bench, the person sweeping the floors, they can do at least one thing better than 10,000 other people. He said, that's the good news. The bad news is most people have no idea what that one thing is. Only 20% of us, by our own admission, Sarah, say yes to the statement, at work, I get to do what I do best every day. That's one person in five. That's 80% of people just out there doing stuff. And so what I would say is, is that you and I should count our blessings because Mm -hmm. the fact that we have, we are sitting in a place like this where we get, we know what we're doing. You know, Chuck Knoll, the coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers, I just read this quote recently. He said, the only time you should worry about pressure is if you don't know what you're doing. And, you know, and so, but when you're in that place that you're supposed to be, you know, I never feel freaked out about how much work I have or what are we going to do or that. I just know, I know, I feel like I know what's next. And that sounds arrogant, but it shouldn't sound arrogant. It's just, it's what I do best. And so it's what you do best. And when you talk about, when you just said that, you know what? I get it. We're both, we're lucky. We're so lucky. We're the 20%, you know? Are you an education leader, the leader of an ed tech company, or a member of an organization supporting education? We continue to hear from leaders like you who have a story to tell 
a message to share, or an important initiative that needs greater awareness. Three years ago, that's exactly what we heard from Doug Roberts, the CEO of the Institute for Education Innovation, when he approached SWPR Group. This led to the launch of a groundbreaking new award that was unlike any other in EdTech. The Soup's Choice Awards, judged exclusively by K-12 superintendents, set IEI on a path to market dominance, increasing vendor partners and superintendent members by more than 30% year over year. Jamie Candy, the CEO of Edmentum, shared with SWPR Group the EdTech company's desire to tell district success stories and to elevate the leaders behind their organization in a more thoughtful and strategic way. Throughout the past two years, SWPR Group has established consistent and regular media coverage, authored compelling op-eds, and secured interviews highlighting success stories while also inserting Edmentum into timely topics like AI with national reporters. At SWPR Group, we provide public relations, communication strategies, and thought leadership support for today's change makers and the brands they champion. We work together with our clients to bring their mission to life by consistently delivering high quality content, creative communication strategies, and transformational results. What story do you want to tell? Reach out to us using the link in the show notes or visit our website at swpr-group.com. We're very, very lucky. Every day I feel luckier and luckier. Yeah, me too. And yeah, my team's growing and it's just a wonderful time to be in education technology. I'll tell you that. It's fun. Okay, so my next question is, would you tell us a story about one of your greatest successes or where you just totally landed out of the park for one of your clients? I want to hear one of those stories. So my favorite story is the first client we got when we left, when I left Barbara and I, I, I put my shingle out. You know, this has happened to me a lot where I leave, a, you know, when I left the Gallup organization, I left a paycheck every two weeks. And when I left, I had, I didn't have any, even have a customer. It's like, but I knew in my heart and my wife and I both knew it was time to move on. And it's like, okay, where are we going? The answer is, I don't know. We got to figure it out. So when I left Barbara Hendricks, that same deal. I left there getting a paycheck every two weeks. All of a sudden now I've got a company, the doors open, and I'm having customers. I mean, my light company really likes for me to pay them every month, right? So I get a call almost immediately from this guy, an Austin author. His book was about starting a business, uh, how to start a business, kind of like a startup kind of book. It might have even been called Startup. And his publisher was up until right then was a medical publisher and their big book the year before was about your pulmonary system. I mean, what did that sell? Five copies? And so they started a business book division and this guy was their first author. So anyway, he sends the book over. I read it. It was really good. He's very smart. But I was thinking, you know, this was probably written five times last week, how to start a business. So I need to tell him no but I need to see him. I'm not going to just call him up and say, we're not interested. I'm going to do this the right way from the very beginning. So we meet across town at this Starbucks and this dude, he sat down and his hair was all sproinged out and he hadn't shaved in a few days. And he was gesticulating kind of wildly and talking about electric cars and like a little bit of crazy. And so I sat and watched him for a little bit and I changed my mind while I was watching him. I said, Kevin, do you know 
that you're the mad scientist of entrepreneurs? Did you know this? And he got a big smile on his face. He goes, wow, I love that. I said, I love it too. I said, so look, here's what you're going to do. We're going to work together. And I said, you're going to be my first client, okay? And I said, here's what I want you to do. Go back to your office and get on your whiteboard and do a bunch of square roots and formulas and stuff. And then have somebody take your picture right now, the way you look right now, and have your picture taken in front of that. And I said, are you okay with me pitching you as the mad scientist of entrepreneurs? He lives in Austin. Who knew this, right? And so I said, that's what I'm going to do. And he was giddy about it. So we go to work and I'm pitch. My pitch, Sarah, is, you know, I just want to let you know, I found the mad scientist of entrepreneurs. He lives in Austin, Texas. Isn't that something? You know, and so it was kind of a wild thing. It's like we almost didn't even hardly talk about the book. But I would say, you know, he's written a book about starting a business. He's really kind of a genius. I think you should let him contribute. Well, here's what happened. A couple of weeks goes by. It was really quiet. And you know how this business is. If you don't like quiet, you shouldn't be doing it. So a couple of weeks goes by and I'm thinking, whoops, I hope this is working. And one night at around nine o'clock, my email lights up and it's an editor at the Wall Street Journal. And she goes, hey, Dennis, you think the mad scientist of entrepreneurs, she uses my language, would be interested in being interviewed for a story about starting a business? I said, dear, that's a rhetorical question. Of course he would tell us where and when, right? You know how it is when this kind of thing happens. It's like, just tell us where we'll be there. So he does the interview and he's so brilliant that a week or so later, I get an email from somebody I wasn't even pitching at the Wall Street Journal. And she said, hey, Dennis, you know, the mad scientist for entrepreneurs is so awesome. You think he'd be interested in writing a story for us? Again, that's a rhetorical question. Of course he would. And so he writes this fabulous story for the Wall Street Journal. Well, that afternoon, I get a call from his publisher, the guy who owns the company in New York. And he goes, Dennis, he goes, what the hell is in the water in Austin, Texas? He goes, I think I just couriered a book over to the Wall Street Journal. What are you doing down there? How are you making this happen? I'm like, you know what? I don't know. It's all coming to me as we go. Just stay with us. Okay. Well, eventually that guy became a regular contributor to Forbes and nobody knew his name. You know, Nobody, only his family, basically, and me knew his name before we started this campaign. And all of a sudden, he's an expert on starting a business. And so you know what that did, Sarah? That was a great way to start my business. Yeah. Because here's what it told me. Number one is I don't have to have Patrick Lencioni to get some activity, some big activity. I don't. What I have to have is I have to be able to explain quickly and get your attention quickly why this matters and create some urgency. And if I can do that, then you know what? Then anything is possible. And and over these 10 years, you know, I've never had a Patrick Lencioni. I've never had a star. But anyway, he wrote a book called Zeconomy. Great, terrific book. I'll think of his name probably in the middle of the night or something. But anyway, you know, he's kind of a star. And I wouldn't say it was any easier to get him noticed than it was to get somebody you never heard of noticed because, and that's part of why that kind of meticulous attention to messaging detail is why I can't have a lot of customers. I can't have a lot of clients because there's no way if you've got you know so many clients, you can't stop and think that it's like, that might be great for your banker. But it's terrible for those people. And I can't look at those people and say, well, you know, we just couldn't figure out exactly what we're doing here. No, you know, the answer is we won't take it if we think that. So, yeah, but here's the deal. If you do that, 
if you take the time, take a walk, go for a bike ride or whatever you need to do to get your head clear and start writing their song. If you can do that and it's really good, people are going to respond and they're going to think, well, I have to pay attention to this. And that's the grand slam right there. I mean, I've had other stories like his, mad scientists of entrepreneurs, but his is the one that just I'm always thinking of first. I think that was such a cool moment for him, especially. That's amazing. And you almost told him no. I almost told him no. Yeah, I almost missed out on this. That would have been terrible. It would have been terrible. So, okay, Dennis, this has been so great. I think you're going to help a lot of people just get their arms around how book promoting is quite different than pursuing other avenues of public relations or outreach. So would you tell our listeners where they can find out more about you? Sure. They can come to www.bearticulate.com. Be articulate. It's not articulate. I have people all the time say, is that articulate?" It's like, you can't call me if you think it's articulate. Okay. It's a command. I never thought that. That's See, so funny. That's because that. you are articulate. <laughs> anyway, I'm kidding. But anyway, bearticulate.com. And they can even email me if they want to. I don't mind. It's Dennis at bearticulate.com. And I love this stuff. You can see that just like you do. Mm -hmm. You haven't stopped smiling the whole time we've been doing this. (laughs) And obviously, it's a joy to get to do it. And I love talking to people about what they're doing. This is important work when people, you know how it is. Everybody thinks they're going to write a book. But when you meet people who actually have written books, it's very cool. And I treat that like the gift that it is because like you spend a lot of hours in your room somewhere doing this. And it's important. That's amazing. Well, thank you, Dennis. Really wonderful to have you on the show. I hope you uh, get some outreach with people interested in working with you. Thank you. That would be great. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Yep. Have a wonderful week. You too. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you enjoyed the show, if you wouldn't mind leaving a review, we'd be so grateful. This helps other listeners find and learn about our show. And please reach out if you're interested in learning more about how we can elevate the leaders of your organization with our PR services. If you'd like, you can even shoot me a direct email at Sarah, S-A-R-A-H at S-W-P-R dash group.com. I look forward to hearing from you and we will see you next time.